Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. I would like to start off by thanking a dear friend of mine, Roger Songster. Roger, your text message really helped strengthen me this week, so thank you so much for that. You're a true friend. I have found that when you follow your hero's journey and commit to living your deepest truth, it doesn't always come as a celebration to those that are closest to you. This is part of what makes it heroic. You leave what is familiar. This inevitably takes us away, sometimes far away, from the familiar faces and viewpoints and identities of where we have come from and where we have been. I didn't think when we started Base Camp for Men it would be such an important chapter of my life. I've learned just as much as you have about this emerging tribe we are calling We the People. Of all the things I've tried and done, I think writing and hosting this podcast has been my favorite endeavor. I never thought it would bring me this much satisfaction. I just love it. It feels like a culmination of all my life experiences and all the things that I've read and researched all rolled into one expression. That and I get to interview incredibly wise and kind-hearted people like my guest today. Scott Wyman has been a passionate student of the spiritual path for over 40 years. A psychotherapist for over three decades, he has come to blend Western psychological insights with ancient teachings that have stood the test of time, using practices that go directly to the source of our suffering, connecting the highest truth of our soul with the darkest aspects of our shadow. Here is my interview with Scott Wyman. All right, I'm here with Scott Wyman, psychotherapist, writer, healer, teacher, of wisdom, Scott Wyman. Scott, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Tony. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. Uh, you and I uh, share the same spiritual teacher, Patrick Connor, and I've, I've been on Zoom calls with you in, in retreats. Even though we don't know each other, I feel like I know you. And uh, when we were doing some of the shares with Patrick, I was listening to you and I just really liked your voice. And one of the things about doing a podcast is you start to get an ear for audio. And so I just thought I, I heard you share something with the group and I thought, God, he'd be a great guest to have on. And he's a psychotherapist, which I love having on the show. Um, so that's how I found you. Um, and I guess to start off with, I just wanted to ask you, I, I was on your website and you've got this great thing on the front page. that says, we believe the next stage of human evolution is to live soul aligned or soul centered rather than ego centered. And I love yeah. this I love this statement. I couldn't agree more. How do people go about bringing this evolution about in themselves? How do you go about facilitating it um, in your clients and what sort of tools do you use to sort of align more soul centered and to start to right size the ego, I guess? Oh, those are great questions. Well, so first of all, I think it's um, it's a calling you know, I don't think everybody feels it. Not everybody would read that statement and go, wow, I, I really like that. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I think that we come to an evolutionary point where uh, it's very clear to us that living from the ego, from the sense of a separate self, uh, produces suffering. And not just for ourselves, but it produces suffering in the world. And it, uh, it, it creates um, hurt and violence and destruction uh, to the planet itself. So there's a, I think there's a kind of a ripening that happens where one kind of looks around and says, is 
there's got to be a better way to live than this. But ultimately, we have to listen. We have to kind of tune into what's going on from within. So the 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 pursuit to find something to satisfy this inner yearning, the pursuit to find something outside of myself, um, has to uh, ultimately meet with um, disappointment and uh, and frustration for one to begin to go. There's one more place I haven't checked yet. <laughs> mm, right, right, <laughs> right, and that's my own. That's my own inner life. That's my own heart, and we begin to feel drawn to that. And uh, it happened to me many, many years ago. Um, I, I was just walking through a B. Dalton bookstore and uh, looking for something kind of desperately to help my life feel better, and um, and I found Thich Nhat Hanh's book, Being Peace. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, 32 years ago, and it rocked my world. And I, I had never, I mean, at that time, I was a pastor. So you'd think, well, you know, he, he may have known some things, but there was nothing in what I had known at that time, including, you know, my, my Masters of Divinity and all that stuff. It, there was nothing that prepared me that encouraged me to look within. And it was Thich Nhat Hanh for the first time in my life. Um, that invited me to look in, and I immediately felt a subtle shift in consciousness that felt like home to me. I'm, I'm totally surprised they don't teach any sort of inner looking within a divinity master's program. That's that, kind of shocking to me. It, it is shocking, and and unfortunately, it kind of speaks to how religions are more interested in perpetuating their own kind of doctrine and dogma and ritual uh, mm-hmm. often than they are to really deepen one's relationship with God. And um, so, and, and to be fair to them, that's just kind of how I had grown up. And though I had great desire for God, there wasn't this um, training or mentoring to go deeply in and get still. There just mm-hmm. wasn't any of that. It was, if you believe the right thing um, and you have the right doctrine and you know, you can translate the Greek New Testament in the right way, then that's what's important. Got and it. That yeah. was not fulfilling for me. Well, and you're a psycho, you've been a psychotherapist for many, what, three, three decades now or so? Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So do, do you, do you recommend to your clients, uh, let's say they come and they've got, it doesn't matter what they have. They've got some sort of pain and suffering. They're trying to make sense of it. They're, they're looking for right. a guy, a guide to help them. Do you, do meditation with them or some sort of inner looking with them? Do you teach them that or do you just recommend them? And then send, you know, how, how do you facilitate somebody who's maybe having a, a crisis uh, and, and you, you're kind of, you recognize the signs, but they don't quite see it in themselves. How, how do you start to orient them maybe to a direction that you kind of sense? So oh, this is, this perhaps is really going to help them get more oriented yeah. to the divine or the God, you know, the father, yeah. God, the mother, God, however you want to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mostly, what I try to do at first, even even though in the you know my my long term goal with them will be to try to help them to facilitate some kind of um, uh, deep and real sense of connection to the divine. That's my long term goal because I know that's the that's what ultimately brings suffering to an end. Um, but short term is I, I just try to help them turn back to their own experience. Mm. 
most people come in and they're, you know, they're looking again, like I was for something outside of myself, something outside of themselves to, to help them. And, and I try to direct them within. And the first thing, of course, we're going to find when we look within uh, my client and I are going to find their pain. And most people in this culture haven't the foggiest idea how to work skillfully um, or compassionately with their own pain, fear, guilt, shame, feelings of betrayal and abandonment and so forth. These are, these are just common experiences to the human, uh, to the human experience. And um, so what I try to do is help people to begin to turn attention to their inner life and to work skillfully with these difficult emotions. Um, And somewhere in the process, I help them to become more interested in awareness itself. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. and, and that begins to make the shift because it's really one's interest in um, awareness itself, the experience of being aware the awareness of being aware that begins to kind of open us to what I consider to be soul consciousness. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That totally resonates. Um, and, and, you know, Patrick has done a lot of work around uh, the divine masculine, the divine feminine. Um, and I know you're interested in that as am I. Um, and I wanted to ask you as a therapist, I know I'm being pretty general here. It's, it, it it's different man to man, woman to woman, depends on what they've got. And, and just to acknowledge that when we say masculine and feminine, it's not gender specific. Every human has masculine and feminine energies. But I wanted to ask you, you know, what do you see for men as sort of the edge of their learning? If we could group men and say, this show is for men. Um, if, if we could group, what's the edge for men? It's funny because I come out of the men's movement, which is like the Mankind Project, and we we have you know all the masculine, uh, divine masculine archetypes that we work with, and there's a little bit of a shadow there in a sense of, uh, you know, I don't need to speak about the divine feminine, or if I start to work with feminine energies, I will become effeminate, and I don't right. want that. And so I wanted to ask you, like, what's the edge for that you see for men? Um, and in your experience, what, what, what does that look like? Where, where's the edge? What are men having maybe a difficult time working into their awareness? Yeah. So, so two things, um, that I see one is, uh, men come in shying away from the feminine, as you, as you said, Mm -hmm. but I, but I see the opposite as well. Men coming in who are disgusted with the lower masculine. Yep. And and don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. I, I that was my experience going through this process. Is I didn't want to be what I was seeing men do in the world. Yep. Yep. And and so I shied, like almost swung the other way. You know, so I, I gravitated toward a um, uh, a career where I can you know I can be gentle and I can be sensitive and I can be kind and I can listen carefully and I can you know attend to um, emotion and. Um, <laughs> and and some men would think, oh, that's you know that's sissy lala or whatever. But that's I found that to be incredibly important both to my humanity and to the humanity of my of my clients. Men need some extra help in um, 
either kind of like moving away from the lower feminine, I'm sorry, the lower masculine into the higher masculine um, or bringing greater balance between the higher masculine and feminine. Um, I see men struggling in in these areas. Scott, what what is when a man um, is having a, you said at the first part of the answer that um, you see them moving, having a hard time or, or avoiding the feminine. What does that look like in men when you see that? How do you, how do you know that that's what's going on? What are, they, are they just not being, not able to connect into their emotional life at all? Or That's central. Yeah. But of course, then obviously there's fallout from that, which is they struggle in their relationships. They have um, uh, conflicted relationships with women. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they may, they may desire closeness and intimacy, have not a clue how to achieve it because they avoid their heart mm-hmm. and it's, it's at the heart we connect, you know, men are, men are taught to operate from, from the mind, share information and problem solve and so forth. Um, we're, we're not taught to connect, to, to value the connection at the heart. And yet that's what the men's movement in my experience has been is we learn to connect to other men. Absolutely. And and it's done in and from the heart. And so that's when we begin to touch into the feminine um, is when we're able to touch into the heart. And there's a we, we find there that there's a profound power in and from the heart that we we didn't have in any other way. So many men that I work with are at the bottom line. They feel a lot of fear and shame um, because they don't feel whole. They don't feel complete. They've pushed uh, the feminine away, or they they don't like who they are because they're masculine, mm-hmm. um, and, and and so there's a tremendous power in in the heart in coming to lean into our emotional process and uh, learn to bring acceptance to it and even love to it. You'd mentioned before that in your practice you see people that come in and there is a core pain. That, mm-hmm. that you said it's the core pain of separation. You've, if you're a man, you've maybe had a lot of success. Maybe you've chased um, fulfillment or this deep soul connection or fulfillment through the material. Maybe you right. had a midlife cry. You know, it's not working. I'm not, my marriage is coming unraveled. I'm not happy. I'm not right. healthy. I don't feel good. Why is this happening to me? I, I, I chased the dream and here I am. Right. You know, this core pain of separation. What do people, what are the big, sort of compensatory patterns that you see as a therapist? Like, I guess one of the ways I want to ask this is like, what are the signs maybe that you're avoiding this core pain? You know, that you might go, hey, I heard Scott say these compensatory patterns are part of me avoiding the pain. Maybe I don't want to do that anymore. I've never heard that yeah. described that way. You know what I mean? Like as a therapist, yeah, yeah. what do you see as the the few big ones is like, oh, yep, there it is again, you know? Yeah, well, of course, you know, one of the big ones is... Uh, a sense of discouragement, despair, depression mm-hmm. that's so prevalent, especially here in the last right. year. Yep. Um, that's been really huge. But also, um, <laughs> interestingly, especially for men, there's a there's a burnout that happens because the comp- the, the the compensation for a deep sense of separation, fear, and shame is to try to accomplish something, to try to do something, to try to be special. Um, to try to be acknowledged in in my field or my career as as you know someone who's worthwhile, um, so we push and strain and strive mm-hmm. um, and effort in an attempt to be special or be seen, be acknowledged, be approved, 
but it never satisfies anything deeply inside of us. Yeah. The, the pain comes, the, the pain that being out of sorts, out of balance, out of touch, out of alignment with spirit, um, it, it comes to us gently at first. And, and if we're listening and we self-correct as a result of contact with that pain, um, beautiful, then that's the end of it. But typically, we don't. We, we're, not, yeah. we're not listening. And right. so it has to keep coming back at us. Uh, and it comes back finally in a form that we cannot, um, we can't avoid, we, we can't distract from. Mm. So a lot of people that I'll see, a lot of men especially, are caught up in their um, compulsive and addictive things, whether it's s- simply a- addiction to work. Or it's the you know the the other ones that we see so prevalently in our culture the alcohol and the and and the porn and yeah. um, shopping and you know these kinds of things that are so common these are all indicators of a of a real deep sense uh, of uh, aloneness separation um, uh, despair dissatisfaction. Um, so those are the things I see kind of like right at the start that I can say, yeah, this is this is going to take that journey within in order yeah, to solve. That, the, the addiction path, that was my path. I was just, I always used that from a young time I was young, just yeah. anything to avoid the, totally. pain, the pain of separation, the pain of, of just loneliness, boredom, restlessness, yeah. whatever was going on. And even though I've done a ton of work on it, I can still feel the shadow of it. You know, like it, sure. it just, I don't want to sit in that. I don't want to sit in the middle of it again, you know, and, and do sure. the work, but it's, um, I'm very grateful for what I've been taught by the addiction, you know, because it, it oh, does, yeah. it comes with a, it ton, comes with tons of shame and guilt and all that. And so you, you also have to work through those dense affect as you start to unravel the pattern Um, it it teaches you on so many levels. I can't say that I would want to do it quite that way again. You know what I mean? But I totally get you. I wouldn't be the man I am today without working through the addictions and having those be a big teacher to me. So I'm I'm totally grateful. But yeah. Um, and one of the things I wanted to bring up, um, you know, that uh, Patrick said in the last retreat, he said, just because you're committed to living in alignment with the light, in alignment with the divine, and really give your life to to this, this divine purpose, divine alignment, it doesn't mean that people are going to celebrate you or like you or your, you know, or, or applaud your choice. Right. And I think there's a sense of like, when you finally find this, you think, finally, I'm going to be able to be myself. I'm going to, you know, I've, I've, I've got a path to right size the ego and serve humanity. And it's true that some people will see the light and others, it becomes really uh, confrontational. Your awakening okay. can really help others awaken, but also acts the opposite way, where they're they're like, "Uh oh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to look at what he's looking at necessarily." Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what what's been your experience with that? Because you've been on this path for a long time, and have you has your friend group changed over time? Have you have you ever been sort of outcast for the choices that you've made in your family or your friend group? Or, you know, it's funny um, when my when I started meditating when I was about 28, my dad found out my dad was a pastor. I grew up in a pastor's home and um, my dad found out that I was meditating. He came and he sat me down and he's always been, you know, a mentor for me and so forth. And he said, son, you're, um, you don't know this, but meditation is really, really dangerous. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and of course he was seeing it from the standpoint of, you know, it opens the door to the devil and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What I found, what I found out was <laughs> he was right. Yeah. It was profoundly disruptive. I mean, here yeah. I am 30 years later, um, plus I'm not in the same marriage. I don't live in the same town. I don't have the same religion. I don't have the same idea of what God is. I don't have the same relationship to myself. I don't, I'm not in the same career. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like this radical, radical transformation takes place. And, uh, you know, over time, and usually it happens, you know, with a lot of grace, but Mm -hmm. also because it's change, um, it can be it can be difficult. It can be traumatic. Yeah. And so there is on the ego's part um, a, a strong resistance. And so what I'll find is that you know a lot of people are resistant. And I lost my friend group mostly because you know they were a part of a relatively conservative Christian um, uh, organization that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And and the more I got into you know, really super weird things like yoga and qigong. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were just like, "Oh, Scott is traveling down the wrong path," and so they felt alarmed by it. Yeah. But there are other other people that I've known that might be interested in that, who who see my life today, and it seems extreme to them mm-hmm. because I've I've given myself to it so entirely, and. So there'll be a resistance on their part because um, even though they might be interested in in a little meditation um, here and there, uh, the whole idea of really giving oneself to it in a way that collaborates with some kind of fundamental transformation mm-hmm. um, is not appealing. They feel anxious about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, your dad gave you a fair warning, right? <laughs> that the, e- the ego was being threatened by this, but he, he uh, totally did. <laughs> I, I had the exp- I've had the experience recently of you know friends that I lost because of my choices to take a more spiritual path um, years ago have circled back around with interest. So that that's really delightful to me because uh-huh. I feel yeah. I love all you know. I've been blessed with friends my whole life, but they've definitely have been different friends at different times. And, uh, so it's really sweet when all of a sudden I'm on the road with a friend that I've known for maybe 25 or 30 years and we lost touch, but now all of a sudden there's more alignment. It's really sweet. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you about integrity and why it's so important. I, I have in, in my travels in, in personal development stuff, you know, I, I came across two definitions that I'll share with you and see what you think of them and then ask you, you know, how do men go about living with better integrity? But the two yeah. definitions, I, I the, the the definition is simple with the Mankind Project. It's basically, you be your word. In other words, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. You put it, when you say, Scott, if I say, you know, you and I are going to um, partner and co-author a book and here's the structure for it, I, I'm giving you my word and my word is really important and I'm going to follow through. I, I don't take that lightly. I don't throw around things I may do um, or say that's are going to happen without considering them closely. And then the other definition comes from Landmark, which is, you know, a training I did, you know, many, many moons ago, but they, yeah. they, they basically had the same definition, but added that you needed like to have integrity. It was essential that you kept an uplifting, uh, context. So it didn't. And that was interesting to me because 
the first definition, you can play it kind of small by not ever promising anything. You can really yeah. say, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to meet you for lunch, Scott. I, you know, I don't want to put my integrity out there. Landmark always said, look, if it's not uplifting and inspiring, it doesn't have integrity. Like take some risks with your word, put it out there, play big, uh, don't be afraid to fail. And so they, they kind of did a little bit different take. And I wanted to ask you, you know, when you sit with integrity, what, what is your definition? Why is it important? And how do, how maybe could men strengthen their integrity in their lives? That's great. It's such an important issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so for me, I would say integrity, my definition and just off the cuff here would be um, living in alignment with one's highest aspiration. I love that. Yeah. Um, Now, you know, some people and, and, and men need help in cultivating and, sculpting and refining what their highest aspiration would be. Um, You know, a lot of us men are trained in this culture to kind of follow whatever the culture says is success, which is mostly the pursuit of, of power status and money. Yep. Um, Right. So, so then a, a higher aspiration would be to cultivate all of the levels of one's being to cultivate one's capacity to be in meaningful relationships, to, to align with one's higher consciousness, to grow and evolve in a way that benefits the people around me and the world around me, you know, et cetera. So, so one's, one's highest aspiration is something that's very ennobling. Um, so for me, integrity is remaining committed to that aspiration and, for me, that doesn't mean doing that perfectly. I mean, I, I think that talks of integrity sometimes become discouraging to human beings because it they it seems to be um, integrity means you're supposed to be perfect, right? And and there there is you know on the path of achieving one's highest aspiration, there is a lot of falling down. There is a lot of falling short and getting up and falling short and getting up and falling short and getting up and and learning from that process and strengthening one's commitment, uh, you know, to that aspiration. All of that is what I would consider to be the path of integrity. That's correct. And it's so important for men because, you know, for people, but for men, because without it, um, we, we can't sense. I, I think one of the, one of the very important aspects of the divine masculine, um, is, is this, uh, is this sense of of living um, with dignity, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Living nobly, living for a like giving one's life to a cause that matters on a global scale, or at least a larger scale, bigger than yeah. me scale, you know. And that gives such um, a sense of fulfillment that pursuing money, power, and status just simply can never touch. Absolutely. I love the, I love the word dignity. It has so much power. Um, it resonates on so many levels. You know, one of the things that, um, that I teach when I'm doing men's groups and stuff is when it comes to integrity is to not be willy nilly with what you say you're going to do, not to be perfect, but for the simple reason is that it's for you. Like when yes. you, when you speak something and you know, it's going to happen because of your integrity is on the line, it strengthens yes. your words. So when you say, Hey, I'm going to build my, I'm going to build a new business. I've got an idea or, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, 
not that money's central, but I'm going to make more money this year. I'm putting my yeah. word on the line. It's, yes. It strengthens your word as a creator over time because when you, when you willy-nilly give your word and break it all over the place, you don't believe the things that you say you're going to do. And that's a big yeah. problem. When you, say, when you say, hey, I'm going to start a business and nobody believes you because you, you never keep your word and you don't even believe it, it's a big issue. Right. Totally. And so totally. I think, I think that's it. I, I love, one of the things I love is I love getting accountability partners. And again, not to be perfect, but like I'm doing, I'm co-authoring a book with my friend, John, and we do stretches on how many hours we're going to work on the book. And it's really challenging to fulfill mm-hmm. on it, but I do them almost always because I don't want to limp back in to John, who's a mentor and a teacher and say, I didn't do it. And then to have to sit and process with him. Like I didn't make room, even though I said, and so, you know, I, it forces me to walk the talk, which I like, it's got a little bit of fire to it. You know, I know it's kind of goal, it's goal setting, but it also, it's my word. And I feel my word being strengthened through the work that we're, that John and I are doing together. So, um, a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, I wanted to ask you. Um, you you created this really nice PDF because um, I, I was going to ask you if you had any creative projects coming up that you'd like our listeners to know about. And then I remembered that you created that beautiful PDF, and I wanted to just have you describe it. It's on your website, and I think it would be a really valuable resource if anybody is curious about doing some work around the topics that we were talking about, particularly the pain, the core pain that we were that we were mentioning. And yeah. just tell us tell us what the PDF is and where they can and where they can find it and then any other um anything else you'd like the listeners to know about okay so so the the practice is called the loving awareness practice and it's been a practice cultivated over a number of years now of um it's basically a three-step practice which is i identify the pain which is just a it's just a word that can stand for anything fear um uh, shame, inadequacy, resentment, etc. It's a way of working with really uncomfortable energies. Yep. Um, where we approach it with an awareness that is grounded in higher consciousness. So it's 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 a literally kind of bringing the wisdom, power, and love of higher consciousness to bear on. Um, these really wounded deep states in a way that brings healing and transformation it it results in two things one is the healing of many of these deep states but more important to me um, it facilitates a shift in identity from the one who is suffering to a a sense of soul alignment Mm -hmm. identified as the awareness that is um, lovingly attending to all the wounded aspects of the being. So, um, I mean, that's a very poor explanation of the practice. It's just short, but it's on my website. Uh, there's a kind of a step-by-step guide as to how to kind of move through it. And um, uh, scottwyman.com under the tab, uh, loving awareness practice. That's great. It's really um, well laid out. Um, I guess one last question I have is, is it, is it possible to do the work like that by yourself? Or do you think it's really somebody that's already stepped in and started working with a therapist maybe? And then that is, that's kind of a piece that you can take when you're doing some of the work on your own. Do you think somebody yeah. that's not familiar with the therapeutic process and, and partnering with a good therapist, do you think they would have a hard time orienting with that 
with that pr- um, written? I, 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 probably in general. Yeah, I think yeah. anybody could start with that and, yeah. and do some basic work. I think that most of us have things in our shadow that we can't look at by ourselves. Yeah. yeah uh, that was certainly sure. the case for me. You know, yeah. I needed therapy and I needed mentors. I needed spiritual teachers to help me kind of lean into that level of the shadow. Yeah. Um, but this is a there. This is a basic practice that people can begin to use just to look at. Wow, I got really reactive at my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me turn around and see if I can look more carefully at those energies. Yeah. And um, so it can be used in that regard. Um, the other thing is, and you know, this won't be helpful for listeners who listen to this a month from now. But um, I am facilitating a three-day um, meditation retreat uh, starting two weeks from today, March five through seven. Okay. Well, good. Hey, you know what? Well, I I love this episode. It was either going to be Tuesday or a week from Tuesday, but I'll I'll put this in sooner so people can hear this and we'll have time to sign up. Great. Yeah, they can go to my website um, and there's a retreat tab and they can read about it and uh, and sign up through that page. Fantastic. Scott, thanks so much for coming on Basecamp for Men. It's absolutely wonderful to talk to you and to connect with you, get to know you a little bit better. And you have an open invitation. You got anything coming up that you want our listeners to know about, feel free to reach out and we'll, we'll you know, we won't do an infomercial, but we'll, we'll do a piece around whatever project you have, whether it's writing or a program or retreat, and we'll tee up a bunch of other questions to talk about. So thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Tony. I had a lot of fun. A couple of final things, if all this talk of meditation as a tool for your own growth and development has piqued your interest and you like Scott as much as I do, go sign up for his upcoming three-day online meditation retreat on March 5th, 6th, and 7th at www.scottwyman.com. This will surely be a great retreat for beginners and advanced students alike. And let Scott know that you heard him here on the show. And lastly, Scott recommended a beloved teacher, a meditation teacher and author from Vietnam named Thich Nhat Hanh. His book, Being Peace, is considered an absolute classic in most spirituality circles. I have a number of his books in my library. They're all excellent, and they all contain great wisdom. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors, and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.